Today we have a special treat. Our discipleship pastor, James Yike, is going to come and teach to us from Proverbs chapter 2. Will you welcome him as he comes? Good morning. I feel like I'm coming up to give the announcements. I don't have a connect card with me. We've been uh, talking about wisdom a lot. Uh, we most recently, before our Proverbs series, we had a series called Matters of, Con- uh, Matters of Conscience, and it all ended with, uh, basically, in any choice you want to make, you ask two questions, right? Is it right or wrong? And if it doesn't fall into uh, the morality category, the next question is, is this choice wise or foolish? So we've been getting at wisdom for a while, and we began this study on Proverbs last week, essentially with uh, how to get the most out of the book of Proverbs. And I want to remind us of the big idea real quick so we can get in the, the right frame of mind to hear specifically from Proverbs this morning. Biblical Proverbs were originally a parenting strategy to help moms and dads equip their children to live God-centered, successful lives. But regardless of our age, true disciples recognize we are still God's children in pursuit of his wisdom for successful living. It all ended with this question last week. Could you benefit from living more wisely? If you answered no to that question, I got nothing for you. Um... But if you answered yes to that question, then it begs a further question. If I can benefit from becoming more, uh, or from living more wisely, then how do I become more wise, right? And when you boil it all down, the, foundation, the foundational question is, how do I get wisdom? How does one get wisdom? Where does it come from? What practical stakes, uh, steps can I take to become wise? Many great thinkers have attempted to nail this down over the course of of centuries. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher and scientist, said this about wisdom, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Leonardo da Vinci stated, wisdom is the daughter of experience. Socrates, who's considered one of the founders of Western philosophy, said this, the only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. And Master Yoda said, do or do not, there is no try. (laughs) I think all of them, Yoda included, Uh, hit a little bit on an aspect of wisdom, but they don't fully encompass what I feel is a real proper definition of wisdom. The people in the Bible struggle with the question of wisdom. In Job chapter 28, Job is one uh, one of the other books of wisdom along with Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Job poses this question, do people know where to find wisdom? Good question. Where can they find understanding? And then here is his super encouraging answer to all of us this morning. No one knows where to find it, for it's not found among the living. Well, have a good day. (laughs) Um, You can't really ask the dead for their wisdom either, so if it doesn't come from the dead or the living, where where is this coming from? And of course, he provides the answer to his question in, in verse 23. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. And then he gets really specific in verse 27 and says, God saw wisdom and evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly, and this is what he says to all humanity. If you're a human here this morning, this is what God is saying to you. Don't miss this. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom, To forsake evil is real understanding. We read something very similar last week, Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Some translations say it is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Wisdom's not found in only knowing yourself, though understanding yourself and your strengths and weaknesses is wise. It's not found in just uh, learning from your experiences, though learning from your experiences is wise. Wisdom is not found in your acknowledging your lack of uh, understanding everything, though admitting that you don't know everything is also wise. But true wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Pastor Phil last week defined the fear of the Lord as a healthy respect that grows out of intimacy. And we achieve intimacy with God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, true wisdom begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. For those of us who are here who don't have that relationship this morning, I want you to keep listening. Don't check out. We're going to hear some wisdom from this man, from our Heavenly Father this morning. I want you to consider and weigh the evidence that's presented before you this morning about wise living and ultimately about the question, the wisest uh, question to ask yourself is, do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, for those of us who are here this morning, and we do have that relationship, you would probably agree with me that the moment you gave your heart to Jesus, you did not become all wise. I did not. I'm still not all wise. I'm almost there. So close. Just a little bit. The next time I'll be all wise when I'm up here. So how do we then get wisdom? It begins with the fear of the Lord, but then what are our next steps? What do we do to get wisdom? Proverbs chapter 2 has a lot to say about the process of getting wisdom. So we're going to read this this morning, just like we did last week. Uh, Let's read this together out loud. I'll start, and you guys can chime in with me. This is Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. It's in your bulletin notes, and you can uh, read from it from your phone or your Bible. We'll be reading in the New Living Translation this morning. Here we go. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain the knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Lord, this morning I pray that we would all come to gain more of your knowledge and your understanding. Lord, help us to be wise this morning. Teach us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the big deep, uh, idea from today. Comes straight out of Proverbs chapter 2. The big idea is that true wisdom is only found when you seek it. It is not discovered by accident. God gives wisdom to those who search for it. Wisdom is only found when you seek it. You cannot discover it by accident. I don't believe you can just stumble across wisdom and just become wise by osmosis. Check out the verbs we just read in those six verses. There's eight really active verbs. Listen to what I say. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search as you would for silver, and seek them like hidden treasures. None of those verbs really speak sitting around on your butt to me um, or being a passive observer in getting wisdom. I don't see that there. So there's an active component. There's some action on our part that we all need to take in order to become wise is what Proverbs 2 is saying here. And this big idea is going to dissect itself as we look at what Proverbs 2 has to say about becoming wise. So here we go. How to get wisdom One of the best titles ever. Number one, adopt an attitude of teachability. 
This is from Proverbs 2.2. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Adopt an attitude of teachability. If you want to get wisdom, Proverbs 2.2 says, you need to be teachable. When I wrote through the first draft of this message, this actually was the first point, was just going to be be teachable. And then I kind of thought about it and realized that some of us are not. Um, Not all of us are inherently teachable. And even those who, who are inherently teachable, you know, we just soak everything up like a sponge. We're not teachable all of the time, right? No one is 100% teachable always. So rather than, than you know, give someone here the mental cop-out of saying, I'm not teachable, therefore it doesn't apply to me, I just kind of reworded it a little bit. But I like, I like the word adopt, adopt an attitude of teachability. Like a parent adopting a child and making it their own, all of us have the ability to adopt an attitude of teachability. The second point from last week was that we need to uh, essentially adopt the role of a child desiring to learn from a parent, life skills from a parent. So we adopt teachability. Proverbs 2.2 implies that wisdom cannot be gained if you're not listening and you're not paying attention. This is not my subtle bid for you to pay attention to me this morning. I feel like you're all tracking with me. So, But you can't gain wisdom if you're not listening and paying attention, right? Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Getting wisdom sometimes takes concentration. This stands in opposition to the idea that wisdom is just naturally birthed out of our experiences. I mean, think about it. We all know somebody who has experienced a lot, and they're a complete and utter fool. But on the flip side, we've all, we all know someone who has experienced little compared to the first guy, or maybe even compared to us, who still acts with wisdom, makes wise decisions, things like that. So thankfully, depth and breadth of experience are not uh, the basis of wisdom. That's the good news today. No matter where you are in life, you can get wisdom. Whether you're somebody who you consider yourself a great learner, you know, I'm inherently teachable, doesn't matter. Everybody has access to wisdom. If God is going to, to hold us accountable when we get to heaven for some things, it's only fair that we actually are able to do those things, right? So all of us can become wise. When I was a kid, I lied all the time. Are you laughing? Um, (laughs) I I lied when it was not to my benefit to lie, and uh, one day in second grade, show and tell snuck up on me. I did not tune my ears to the teacher or concentrate when she was saying, class, uh, show and tell is tomorrow. So I got there. I had nothing for show and tell because someone had confiscated my action figure on the way into school, So I didn't have anything to show. I went up to the front of the class, and uh, I lied. I made up a lie. I said, my cat, Winter, who was my cat, it is true, um, had kittens, which was not true. Everybody thought it was great. I talked all about the kittens, and it was great. Everybody loved me. I was super popular. And then later that day, the teacher comes up to me and says, Jamie, um, that was my nickname when I was a kid, Jamie. uh, My mom, she's old, and she's kind of sick. And her cat just died. And I was wondering if maybe we could work something out where I could have one of the kittens. <laughs> I'm in second grade. Okay, I'll ask my mom. <laughs> so I thought it was going to end there. She, she writes this letter, and I'm like, now you're just complicating things. Just let me get away with this lie. She writes this letter, asks me to give it to my parents. Okay, put it in my backpack with every intent to ditch the letter on the way home from school. I forget to ditch the letter. Mom finds the letter. I got grounded. Had to write, thou shalt not lie, like 500 times on a piece of paper. 
And then she sat me down and tried to impart some wisdom. I had foolishly gotten into the situation, and there are consequences for my actions, but my mom is at this point trying to impart some wisdom and tell me how to resolve the situation in a good and biblical way. So she says, when you go to school tomorrow, you're going to go to your teacher, and you're going to tell the truth, and then you're going to apologize. Okay. So I go to school, and I walk up to the teacher, and she says, Jamie, did you, did you ask your mom? Did you give her the letter? Did you ask her about the kittens? And I said, yeah. And I'm really, really sorry, but the kittens are just too young to leave their parents. <laughs> They're still nursing. Because <laughs> there's nothing more wise than lying to get out of your first lie, right? I was like, I don't need this wisdom thing. I figured this out. I got it. I'm good. Until my mom comes to pick me up from school and I see her talking to the teacher, and then she looked at me, and I got grounded more. Most of my stories from when I was a kid end with me being grounded. I was a really good kid. She tried to impart some wisdom, but I was not teachable. I could have accepted what she said and operated on the biblical standard she presented, but I didn't. I was not in that moment teachable, and I could have been. I know I could have been. It wasn't just because I was a kid that I wasn't teachable. I was teachable, and I refused to listen to wisdom. Proverbs 9.9 says this about wise people. Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. That implies that wise people accept instruction. Wise people accept instruction. In other words, wise people are teachable. So when we desire to gain wisdom from Proverbs, from people who are wiser than us, who we, who we seek wisdom from, or even from God, the very first thing we need to do is adopt an attitude of teachability. Second point in your notes is this. Ask God for it. This one's easy. Ask God for wisdom. Proverbs 2, 3, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Very active. And this one makes a lot of sense. If the Lord grants wisdom, like Proverbs 2, 6 says, then who better to ask for wisdom? So what are a couple practical ways that we get wisdom from God? You can write these three down. The first one is this, through God's word, through the Bible. There's so much wisdom in the Bible, not just in the book of Proverbs or Job or Ecclesiastes, but all over the place. A lot of wisdom in God's word. Follow along with us through the, uh, our journey through Proverbs. Grab one of those reading plans on your way out. If you don't have one in your bulletin this morning, they're on the table on the way out. It's a great way to start reading your Bible if you've never started. If you don't have a Bible, um, let us know. We have what we call our What's Next Toolkit. It's got a Bible in there. It has a DVD that teaches you in a couple of minutes how to start reading your Bible and some great places to start. Proverbs is one of the best places to start reading your Bible. Um, so at any rate, uh, at the end of service, if you would like either of those tools, uh, you can get a What's Next toolkit. There will be two people out there this morning wearing bright blue shirts that say, I raise my hand. Just walk up and say, hey, uh, I need a Bible today. And they'll get you a Bible. It's free for you. We want to equip you with God's word because in God's word is wisdom for living. Cool? So make sure that you get one of those if you do not have one this morning. It's really the most effective way that I can think of of gaining wisdom from God is through God's word. Uh, many people 
have, have told me this in regards to prayer, which is another way that we gain wisdom from God, is through prayer. Many people have, have asked my opinion on this issue. They say, I have trouble hearing God's voice. A lot of people, and not just youth, who are the, the um, age group I've worked with most recently before coming to Echo, but people of all ages, I have trouble hearing God's voice. The very next question that I always ask is, are you reading your Bible? You know someone's voice because you've heard it before, right? You've had a conversation with them. You know them well enough to know the little accents or the inflections they make on certain words, the tone. That's how you know someone's voice. But if you've never heard someone's voice, how can you be expected to identify it, right? So it's like, well, I want to pray and I want to hear God's voice and I want, to, I want him to impart wisdom to me, but I've never heard his voice before, so how can I hear his voice? You know, it just gets into this big, never-ending circle. Can I suggest something to you? The Bible is God's word. There is no better way to hear his voice than through the pages of this book. No better way. You know, even through prayer, sometimes our human filter jumps in. Not with this. This is the 100% word, infallible, perfect, timeless word of God. Pick one of these up. This is one of the best ways to ask God for wisdom. Second way is this. So first one is through God's word. The second one is this, through mentors and teachers. This is an awesome one. Part of adopting an attitude of teachability uh, basically means that we're admitting that we don't know something, right? If we're going to go to somebody to learn, we're essentially acknowledging the fact that we have something to learn. And it's a wise course of action to seek out wisdom when you don't know what the wise choice is. Even sometimes when you know what the wise choice is, it's a good idea to seek wisdom. Um, a couple, I guess it was maybe two months back, we had a couple in our, uh, in our church who emailed me and said, hey, uh, basically shorten the email, our marriage is really important to us, and we want to find a couple to help mentor us in our marriage. So I met with them uh, the very next Sunday, and we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, how to find a mentor, who to ask, and all that kind of stuff. That is a great way to get wisdom. And that's active too, right? If there's an active component to wisdom, you know, whether you're opening your Bible or whether you're setting aside time to email a pastor and then to meet with him to say, I want to get mentorship for my marriage because it's that important to me. That's a wise choice. Seeking the counsel of those who know more is wise. We have a facility vision team at Echo Community Church. They are helping us to find our more permanent facility, uh, our more permanent home in Perry Hall. You know who the, the uh, team is not solely comprised of? Me and Pastor Phil. You want to know why? Because me and Pastor Phil are knowledgeable, but we don't know everything when it comes to finding a building. We could probably do something, but we don't have the, the wisdom and the expertise that an engineer would have or an architectural developer would have or a real estate agent would have. We have this team put together of uh, people, experts in their field. field. Why? Because it's wise. Because it's wise. We want to make wise decisions, not just with our lives, but in the leadership of this church, with all of you. We want to be wise. And so, even we, you know, pastors, we seek wisdom as well. So through mentors, teachers, and people who know more than us, it is wise to seek wisdom from those people. Here's the third way, through prayer. I kind of touched on this a little bit already, but I want to read you one of my favorite verses from the book of James. Uh, chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not 
rebuke you for asking. God wants all of us to be wise. And there are some things that you can pray for that God will say no to. I don't have to list any. (laughs) Sometimes we're waiting on an answer for something. Sometimes God blatantly shuts the door. But do you want to know something God will always say yes to? Wisdom. He will always say yes to your prayer for wisdom. God, will you help me to ask wisely this week? The answer is yes. God, will you teach me wisdom? Will you help me to find someone that can speak wisdom into this situation? The answer is yes. He's not going to turn you away at the door when you're asking for wisdom. Never. That is a really good question and a really good prayer. Ask for wisdom and God will give it to you. So those are just three quick practical ways through the Bible, through our mentors, teachers, and through prayer. Third point in your notes is this. Apply effort in your search for understanding. As you search for wisdom, apply effort. Proverbs 2.4 says, Search for them, meaning wisdom. Search for them as you would seek, or as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. And the effort part of this statement doesn't take too much explanation because I think I've already built a really good case for why becoming wise is an active process, right? Adopting the role of a, of a student, adopting teachability, spending time going and talking with people, reading, your, uh, reading God's word, connecting with God through prayer, that all takes effort. I don't really think I need to talk about that much, but I want to talk about the search part in your search for understanding. The big idea was that you find wisdom when you search for it, right? It's not discovered by accident. Here's a statement. This is true. You search for what you value. You search for what you value. Consider the parable of the lost coin in Luke chapter 15. Woman loses a coin, drops it on the floor, can't find it. Brings out the broom, sweeps everything up, looks for it, gets the lamp, checks under the bureau, all that kind of stuff. She finds the coin, she celebrates with everyone, all of her neighbors and stuff over this coin. And it makes a parallel to the kingdom of heaven saying that just uh, as, you know, as much excitement as this woman had over finding her coin, there's excitement in heaven when a sinner repents. There's rejoicing and there's a huge party when a sinner repents. Why is the woman celebrating? Because she values the coin. It has value. Specifically, it has monetary value, right? If I lose a $100 bill, look, I really want to talk to you and everything, but if I just dropped a $100 bill, you're going to have to hang on. I'm going to need to find that real quick. It has value to me, right? And we search for what we value. So here's this. Here's this thought. How much do you value wisdom? If I, uh, if I did like a poll this morning, or let, let's, say, you know, let's say we were putting together a list of, of our values, right? Some good values to live by. If I suggested to you wisdom as a value to live by, would you really have a problem with that? I mean, not really. I think everybody, we all kind of aspirationally seek wisdom, even if we're not actively going for it. We all admire wise people, right? So I think we would all value wisdom pretty highly, at least on first thought, but how much, how much do we really, really value it? And the reason I want to close with this is, is this. If you can't get wisdom without searching for it, if you don't value wisdom, you're not going to search for it. 
essentially, you'll, have a, a, you'll aspire to be wise, but if you don't search, you'll never, you'll never get there. It'll be like me when I was in second grade, it'll just bounce right off my head. So here's a practical way to gauge how much we value wisdom. Do we really value wisdom like silver? Do we value it like hidden treasures? Here's a good way to do this. A mentor of mine taught me this. You can tell what you value by where you put your mind, your money, and your minutes. Three things all start with an M, easy to remember. Your mind, your money, and your minutes. What do you think about when you have mental space, right? Your money, where, where do you put your money? Are you wisely paying your bills, right? Are you giving your first fruits to God with your tithe? With your margin money, what are you doing with that? Not to, I'm, I'm not going to stand up here and say, you know, you shouldn't put it toward entertainment. You shouldn't put it toward, you know, uh, I don't know, a lawnmower for your lawn that's going out of control or something like that. But are you also investing in, in really, in, in yourself, in becoming wise? Do you have 10 bucks to take somebody out the coffee and pick their brain on on, uh, you know, an issue that's been bothering you, something like that. Where are you putting your money? Where are you putting your minutes? When you have time, what do you do with it? Are you actively using a portion of your time to seek wisdom, right? You need time to read your Bible. You need time to pray. You need time to, uh, sometimes I need time, a couple minutes to actually adopt that role of teachability because <laughs> I have this thing in my life called pride that tells me that I know better than everybody else. So sometimes I actually do need to take some time, some minutes, to readjust my focus before I dig into the Word of God. Where are your mind, your money, and your minutes going? That will tell you what you value. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? As I was examining myself in preparation for this morning, I realized that I think I value wisdom a lot, but my actions aren't backing it up. So if I was to stand before God with all you know, all fakeness out of the way, and God was to say, how much do you really value wisdom? Unfortunately for me, it would be less than I think it is. And I know that to be true for my life right now. So I have to make the decision to take more of my mind, my money, and my minutes, not, not like all of it, I'm not saying, you know, ignore your other responsibilities, because that's not wise either. But for me, I need to spend, I need to put a higher premium on becoming wise and a, a less, a smaller premium on being entertained. How much do we value wisdom? Do that today. Take five minutes. Gauge where you are. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't say this because, you know, somebody walked up to me this week and was like, hey, I, I really value wisdom. And I was like, no, you're not. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. If we're going to get the most out of Proverbs as we search for wisdom, we really need to know how much we value it. So check that out today. See where you're standing and then see where you would like to go. I, I made a next step for myself. I'm going to take time every day for a while. I'm going to take 15 minutes every day that I have in spare time and watch a, you know, like watch a TED Talk in addition to the Bible reading and stuff like that. I want to I I listen to a pastoral podcast or something like that on leadership, on discipleship, on reading your Bible and stuff like that because I want to become wiser than I am right now. That's my next step. What's your next step today? I want to close with this as our musicians are coming back up. 
the second half of the parable of the lost coin talks about heaven, right? And how there is, there is rejoicing in the kingdom of heaven over one sinner who repents. Why is there so much rejoicing in heaven over that? It's illustrated with, you know, with the parable. The woman valued the coin, that's why she rejoiced so much. God values you, that's why he rejoices so much. When you repent. You have value to God. Every single person in this room has value to God. Whether you allow yourself to be defined by your failure or whether you allow yourself to be defined by what God says about you is irrelevant to the fact that you have value to God. What you think doesn't matter. You have value to God. Believe it this morning. If you're here this morning and you have never taken that step and given your life to Christ, I want to tell you something. It's wise. It's wise to do that. It's really, really wise. It's the wisest decision you can ever make. There's a reason we say it's the best decision, because it actually is. We're not, we're not just blowing smoke. It really is. Hope, peace, joy, love, understanding, grace for when we fall, help to get back up. That's what you get with Jesus Christ. And wisdom. Wisdom for life. Not everything is going to go according to our plan in life. In fact, most of the time it doesn't. The world would be very, very different if it worked out exactly how I wanted it to. But Jesus gives me wisdom for living. This morning, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, but you're, you're thinking today, you know what? Today's the day. I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I want to lead you in a short prayer this morning. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you, would you just pray this along with me uh, silently? You don't have to pray it out loud. You don't even have to use the same words I'm using. I'm just going to say a sentence at a time and you know, put it in your own words in your head if you want. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus today, you want to make that wise decision, then follow along with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm not perfect. I admit that I've sinned. That I've fallen short of your perfect standard. And I'm sorry. But Jesus, I hear that you can forgive me. And I want that forgiveness this morning. Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe that you lived a perfect life. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe you rose again. And I believe you love me. Would you lead me now? As I give my heart to you, would you guide me? As I pursue you and I pursue wise living, would you speak to me and help me to walk in your ways? In your name I pray. Amen. With all eyes closed and all heads still bowed, if you made that decision for the first time today or maybe you recommitted your life to Jesus after a time away. I want to give you the opportunity to do something concrete that you'll remember when you think back on this moment and wonder, did I really pray that prayer? This will help you to say yes. I'm going to count to three, and then on three, if you made that decision today, just want you to slip your hand up, 
make eye contact with, with me real quick, and just put your hand right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you, not going to you know, make you do anything. It's just a way to make it concrete for you and also for me to celebrate with you because there is nothing better than celebrating when someone gives their life to the Lord. There's rejoicing in heaven, and I want to rejoice with you here on earth. So if that's you, if you made that decision today on the count of three, just slip up your hand, make eye contact with me, and then put it right back down. One, two, three. Anyone this morning? Awesome. Thank you very much. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, we want to be wise. We come to you as children acknowledging that we are in need of you, Jesus. We need your forgiveness. We need your grace today and your mercy. And we need your wisdom. Lord, would you help us to be teachable this week? Would you help us to adopt the role of a child? Because we are your children. And we thank you for the ability to come to you anytime we want and talk with you and pray knowing that you're never going to turn your back on us. You always have time for us. Thank you, Father. Would you help us to be wise this week? Holy Spirit, guide our thoughts and guide our steps this week as we gauge where we are and how much we value wisdom and where we place our time and our resources. Would you help us to define clear next steps so that we can search actively for your timeless wisdom? through your word, through those that we love, and through the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives to help us today to become wise. In your name we pray. Amen.